0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bowfishing Buzz. My name is Matthew. My name is Derek. And of course, Bowfishing is Buzz is presented by AMS Bowfishing and... Megamouth Bowfishing sponsoring as well. You bet. How is everybody doing today? And uh, Derek, I, I just got to say, we're, we are back on schedule for... Three weeks or three episodes in a row here.
1: Is there some kind of um, <laughs> consistency award wow. that we could get for this? Because, boy, we are just on track. And the thing <laughs> is, we had this one planned out last week already. We are just
0: on top of things here. That's right. That's right. We've got a very, very special guest yeah, we that we're going to be interviewing today, Derek. I'm really excited about this. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And for those of you that um, would like to also watch video of this, you can go to the AMS uh youtube page yep and uh go under the playlist podcast and there's going to be a bunch of awesome video just like there is with all of our other podcasts mm-hmm. that are out there on youtube so if you want to watch some video of the podcast check it out on the ams youtube page under bow Fishing buzz playlist and uh you can watch all a bunch of cool content as we're talking along right here yeah i think one thing too matt
1: if anyone if you guys the listeners at all if you guys have a certain kind of podcast that we do i mean we have lots of people on and that's really cool to to talk to all these people, get their insights on things. If you guys prefer the interviews or if you like certain topics that we talk about, feel free to reach out to us, message us on Facebook, shoot us an email, comment on a YouTube video. Absolutely. um, Because we just try to put out the, the, you know, the content that we think you guys will be interested in. And if there's something that you guys want to know or want to cover, by all means, we can throw that in there. It's not like we're on a strict schedule. We just kind
0: of, you know, whatever we feel like talking about, we're going to talk about. That's right. And just like the, 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 Canoe bow fishing podcast that we had last year—that was awesome. Somebody yeah. just, you know, he just sent us an information said, "Hey guys, I got some cool footage shooting some some carp out of my out of my canoe, and I got some cool drone footage." Man, that was awesome. Yeah, something That's I think cool we should
1: we should implement too. Matt is I hear it on other podcasts that I listen to, they'll have like a uh, listener question of the week or a couple questions. Right. You know, like on Dan yep. Patrick show, they'll they'll call somebody and they'll have a question or they give their best and worst of the weekend. That would be kind of cool if we started something like that, too. Every week we answer
0: a question from a, a listener type of deal. Absolutely. That would be kind of an Absolutely. interesting thing. So if you have anything edition. that you want to hear, anything that you want to be heard, if you want to be interviewed, if you don't like the interviews, let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Derek, um, this past weekend... Was the uh, Wisconsin Bow Fishing Association's annual meeting. That's right. You were attending. Went down there. And, you know, I just have to say that um, I am proud to be part of the WBA because, man, we have such a, a strong, um, you know, a strong club um, you know, at this annual meeting, there was 37, I believe, 37 to 40 people really? at the meeting here. And, you know, we discussed everything from, you know, youth events to the tournament dates to, you know, just a whole array of uh, bow fishing issues. And, I man, our, our club is strong. We've got some great money that we have in the budget. Um, you know, the WBA is going to be putting $3,000 in both the numbers and the Big Twenty divisions for the state, um, for the state tournament this year. Oh, really? Well, yeah. And, and the state tournament is going to be uh, the Green Bay tournament. Actually, got voted as being the state tournament. And that's sometime in June here. But you know, I'm just proud to be part of the Wisconsin Bowfishing Association. Um, we've got some great people on the board. Uh, we've got. You know, people voice their opinions. That's that's what's cool about, you know, these clubs is you right. people voice their opinions, what you don't like, what you do like, and that, that makes for a strong club. Sure, yeah. And at, everybody listens. Having
1: structure like that, like you said, there was a set meeting at a set place with, with you know pe- certain people are going to be there. That That is really important to the future of the sport and Absolutely. how it's run in the state in regards to tournaments, mm-hmm. like you said, youth events. So, yeah, it's – um.
0: That's, that's cool that you were down there, Matt, and very cool that we have such a structural it is. Uh, club. Yep, yep. And, you know, they, they work with us as far as ha- when we have They always call us up, hey, Matt, you know, when are you guys having your, your Big 20 this year so we can schedule our tournament dates around yours, and I, we work with them also on it, and very they help cool. us out with donations. We help them out with donations. So, yeah, it's just it's just fun to work with a, a good club like that there. And if you are out there... And your state, you know, has those type of clubs, uh, you know, your bow fishing associations, go to those events, join them, you know, um, make them strong because it just makes it a lot better. Um, Get on the board of directors for those clubs, you know, just, just be out there for the bow fishing world to have some type of backbone structure where you live in your area. Um, It just makes it run and uh, more enjoyable for those states that run that. Along with the the Bow Fishing Association of America, you know, join Mm -hmm. that as well. Sure, sure. Before we get too far into this
1: podcast, Matt, I got two things I'm going to bring up. Number one, everyone listening to this podcast is very lucky that Matt and I are at work because it's February 1st and it's 34 degrees outside and the fishing right now, the ice fishing is... It is off the charts. We both kind of were flirting with the idea of uh, maybe taking today off, but um we we decided against it. So Matt and I have each been doing our fair share of ice fishing. that's that's been fun. That's been fun. Yeah, but um other than that, I just want to let everyone know, Matt, we kind of were going back and forth last week. We're gonna change the uh, sequence of how our yeah. podcasts are labeled. We're going to go, right now we've been doing, we've had different seasons. At the start of every year, we'd have a new season. So this, like, when we when we started this year in 2022, this was season four, I right. believe. Yes. Um, and just some research that we've done, it's going to be easier for the end viewer to be able to keep track of what podcasts they've listened to. When <laughs> they have them, when we have them listed in episodic order. So, like, for example, this is going to be episode 29. Correct. So yes. when you guys when you guys go to, say, whatever, say you're on op, Apple Podcasts and you're looking at our uh, episodes, it's just going to be one big continuous list right. of podcasts. Um, in the intros for those podcasts, you're going to hear us say season 3, season 2, episode yeah. 20, we whatever it is. That. We can't go in and edit those podcasts. But just so you guys know from a little bit of an easier viewing perspective, we're just going to be going in episodic order, you know, we started at one, three, four years ago, and now we're on 29, and that's going to be how we how we continue to do that. Correct.
0: So, just mm-hmm. so everybody knows that. Yep. It's going to be easier to follow along. So, this is actually episode... 29. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, getting into our guests that we're going to be having on today. Derek, um, you've got a little intro there. I do. A little bit about... Um, Mr. Ray Howell. Ray Howell. So um, go ahead and let the audience kind of know a little bit about Ray Howell. Sure. I just got a little background here for
1: Ray. Uh, Ray and his wife, Karen, have a family of nine children, 30 grandchildren, and 12 great-grandchildren. <laughs> Holy cow. He's, that's crazy. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and they live in southeastern Minnesota. Ray has successfully harvested many Pope and Young whitetails, which are his favorite animal to hunt. Following his boyhood dreams has taken him to the frigid cold and snow of the Arctic, the wilderness areas of Mexico, throughout the forests of Canada and remote regions in the Yukon, and in many of the 50 states, including Alaska, on his quest to harvest the 28 North American animals. That's, if
0: you think about that, that's amazing right there. 28 of the North American big game animals.
1: Matt, he's only shot one less big game animal than we have total podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's actually crazy. Good Lord.
1: Um, Travels to South Africa have allowed Ray to harvest a variety of planes game, which has also been a dream come true for him. Ray has written many magazine articles, and he's been on the covers featured in those magazines as well. He has also received several prestigious awards, Outdoor Life Top 25 Reader's Choice Award, Pope and Young Club Stewardship Award, Muzzy's Tall Man Award. Ray's competitive nature led him to become involved with the sport of powerlifting, and he successfully broke several drug-free state, national, and world records after he turned 18. Needless to say, I think when Ray puts his mind to something, he gets it done. He gets it done. He gets it done. But,
0: ending off of what you just said about Ray. Yep, let's hear about this now. All right. Even with... uh, and not mentioned in that was he had four successful businesses that he built from the ground up. Yep. All right. Even with all that success and all the the stories and memories, his heart still wasn't full. Yep. All right. So a lot of you might never have heard of Ray Howell. You don't know what he does. His story is is an amazing story and where it leads him to today. All right. Leading off of your your stuff there, Derek, with all those amazing accomplishments. One thing that I want to I want to give you some stats here uh, for America. All right. These are statistics in America of fatherless homes. Okay. Forty-three percent of children in the US live without a father. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And that's something. They are four times more likely to live in poverty. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 63% of fatherless kids are victims of youth suicides. 85% of youth in prison grew up in a fatherless home. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. And 75% of youth in chemical abuse centers are from fatherless homes. Mm. Terrible. So you can kind of guess where I'm going here with this and what Ray has done. Um, He's done some amazing things. So um, we're going to get Ray on the phone here and um, listen to his story. Listen to how he got to where he is now. And I can honestly tell you right now, that Ray's heart is full. Yeah. he All those accomplishments
1: that I read off to you guys, Ray has found his calling in mentoring kids, and it really is a it's a heartwarming story. Just reading a little bit of the write-up that you had, Matt, it really is cool how he had all these accomplishments. He could have rested on his laurels and had a, a he, fantastic life. But, absolutely. But he, he knew that he wanted to go and, and change some children's life, and we won't get too much into it, Ray will explain that but we're gonna give Ray a call here and just yeah. see what um what he can all share with us today. so let's get uh, let's
0: get Ray on the phone here Hello? hi Ray this is uh Matthew and I'm here with my partner and uh, co-host here Derek Schmidt hey Ray and uh welcome to the bowfishing buzz, Ray. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I love buzzing on a bowfishing, boat,
3: boat I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Ray, we kind of gave a little intro um about some of your amazing accomplishments in archery, um, bodybuilding competition, what you've all done with that, uh, but yet we kind of ended it. With, with even with all those accomplishments, Ray, your heart still wasn't full. Um, and we read off some stats about children living in fatherless homes here in, in, in America. And um, what I would like from you, Ray, is to give our audience, some of them probably have never heard of you or they have never heard about the program that you're doing right now, but if you could give the audience your story um, from the beginning as a, as a young child to where you are now, Ray, and how your heart has been filled because of what you are doing right now for the youth here, um, in many, many parts of America right now.
2: When I was five years old, I was a pretty happy kid. I had my brothers and sisters and, uh, it was a pretty normal home. Uh, uh, every day, uh, we were at home and mom was there and cooking meals and, be a mom. And, but the fun part was when my dad came home from work. Every day we stood at the window about the same time waiting for dad to come home. And uh, when, he, when the car pulled into the driveway and he got out of it, it was game on. I'll tell you <laughs> what, my dad was fun. <laughs> we, he'd get into the house and, and uh, we'd try tackling, we're hanging on his legs and he's carrying us around and hooting and howling and having fun. And, and it was just, uh, it was awesome. And, you know, on the weekends when he didn't have to work, uh, we got to do things with Dad. I remember a lot of different things. One of the things that had happened that was uh, a scary thing to me as a kid was uh, we took his old truck out and going through the woods and and, uh, bouncing and hooting and (laughs) howling and having a good time. And he got into a mud hole and uh, got the truck stuck. And you know, a five-year-old kid. I'm standing there, man. We're stuck. We're in the woods. We're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, uh, I was, I was a little scared. Yeah. Sure. I didn't think we were going to get out of there. <laughs> and uh, you know, my my dad became the hero, and he got us home to mom, and everything was back to normal. And man, there was a lot of a lot of joy and laughter at that at that time in my life. And you know, one day uh, I was in the house, and uh, my mom and dad were in the back hallway, and. I heard him talking, so I I walked around through the hallway, and I saw my dad talk to my mom, and uh, not in any kind of violent way or hollering or yelling, he'd come right out and said to her, he said, I'm leaving. (laughs) And just his words were so clear, uh, I knew he was telling the truth. Uh, Uh And uh, and they were continuing to talk. I went out the front door, and I hid into the back seat of his car uh, because there's no way I'm going to let my dad go without me and uh anyway it wasn't very long and they found me in the car and uh they grabbed a hold of him pulled me out of the car and i'm kicking and screaming dad don't go don't go without me and you know i don't know where my brothers and sisters were at that time but i remember all was going on with me and i'm on the ground to hold me down and my dad was like a different person like he didn't even know me
0: oh wow and uh, hmm.
2: no, no matter no matter what i said it, uh it didn't matter it, he got in the car and pulled out of the driveway and drove down the road and i'll tell you something what a sad day wow, and, I, can, um, I
0: can imagine yes it was,
2: it was like a dark cloud uh, now it has come over uh, the family uh, my mom was different and the sad part about it was too my brother and sister and me stood at the window every day wow. at that time waiting for my dad to come home and wow. he never came back home
3: oh,
2: wow. and uh, quite a while went by and my mom was different. Everything was different.
3: Hmm, I can uh, imagine. I don't know
2: how to explain. I, I don't know how to explain that. It was just was sure. just not like it used to be. But, uh, the household, day,
0: uh, the whole household, you know, normalcy yep. of the household was changed right then and there for you.
2: Well, when you have the leader of the home gone, right? Uh, then then I didn't realize, Time. Hey, mom's got to take care of the bills. She's got to take care of this and that, and all the mouths, the feed and everything else. It was... Uh, it's a, it's overwhelming. Sure. Um, my, um, it, uh, a little while went by, and I, I remember uh, the doorbell ringing. I was just standing in the right place. Went over, opened up the door. <laughs> Here's this great big guy standing there with a little <laughs> short lady. She was about half his size, and he looks at me and he points at me. And he says, "You're Raymond. I'm your Grandpa Obert And <laughs> uh, I never met him before. And uh, all of a sudden, man, this is fun stuff. I mean, somebody really likes me. I mean, this is cool. And he come in the house, and we're talking and, uh, with Mom and everybody. And, 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 you know, there was a, there was a happiness there again. Sure. I don't know how to explain it. Everybody's yep. happy. upbeat. And uh, as things were going on, uh, Grandpa said, uh, well, guys, we're going to pack you up, and you're going to move uh, home with us. <laughs> and uh, no kidding, my grandpa mm-hmm. packed us up and uh we moved from detroit michigan to La Crosse, wisconsin and you know my grandpa became my dad sure uh yep. he was a he was an awesome man and I, I just uh i had so much fun with my grandpa and uh he bought me my first bicycle i got to go fishing mm-hmm. the cool thing about it was he would take me uh on the days that he had off and he'd take me out we would go get coffees and donuts with his friends and stuff i mean he really treated me like i was somebody and uh Anyway, school and everything was pretty normal. And we were uh, living in a small house, but uh, I'll tell you, there was no welfare. It was <laughs> My grandpa worked hard and so did my grandma and sure. my mom mom, but it was family. Yep. And uh, so as things were going, was, uh, uh, I'm about 12 years old, and I, I, Brian, I thought my grandpa had the flu or something, but uh, he kept getting sicker and sicker. <laughs> and next thing you know, he was in bed. Uh, quite a bit of the time, and, and my grandpa just wasn't the same. My grandpa was a great big guy. How's, how could somebody like that get sick like that? And so uh, they, they took my grandpa to the hospital, and then my mom and my grandma sat us all down and said, mm, Grandpa's really sick. He's got what they call crawling stomach cancer. And I didn't didn't know what that was. I mean, it just said to me, like the flu or something. And and, uh, so he's going to the hospital. He's going to get fixed up, but he's coming back. And, you know, uh, Matt, I would go to the hospital uh, all the time after school, and I would visit my grandpa. And uh, one day I went into the hospital to visit him. They wouldn't let me in the room. And uh, my grandpa passed away. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there there again, this dark cloud is over us again.
0: Right. Yeah,
2: now with my grandma and my mom and, and we're a little older now there's, there's a confusion There's uh, uh, the leader of the family is gone my hero, my best friend uh, my father figures uh, I'm lost yeah, and uh, uh, anyway uh, things changed so much that the focus wasn't on the kids like it, it should be with right. the mom and everything and I'd go to school and Matt, I'll tell you what, it got bad. Oh. I wasn't the best at, I wasn't the best at sports and stuff. And next thing you know you're getting teased and then there's bullies at school and I got the ever living daylight speed uh, out oh, of wow. me a couple times at school, like you wouldn't believe. It. I actually ended up in the hospital oh. because a kid stuck me in the hip with a, a metal compass oh, my and uh, I got blood poisoning from it. The story behind that's unbelievable, but so I hated going to school. Yeah. And uh, uh, the same thing with my brothers and sisters. It was just uh, my mom did her best, I will tell you that, and so did my grandma. I mean, they did her best. But mm-hmm. that kind of stuff going on, uh, I started hanging around with other kids that say they had the same problems with me that didn't have a dad. It was the kids that you see on the corners that were smoking cigarettes and talking and stuff like that. Those were the kids. And anyway, I started hanging around with them to keep away from the bullies and stuff and just... Uh, Uh, Have uh, friends that I could talk to, and the Mm -hmm. next thing you know, (laughs) I started hanging out on the uh, beach and we put tents up and we're camping out. And you know, I didn't like school, so I didn't go to school. I started skipping school and I I started not coming home at night. And you know, when you're 13 to 14 years old, the whole world is there, it's all there. I mean there's girls and there's drinking and there's partying and driving in cars. And all. This is all a, 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 an incredible world. Sure. You know something? I stepped, I stepped right into it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you what, Matt, I was out of control. And uh, I remember going down the back roads of Alaska, Wisconsin, oh. <laughs> in a Chevy, convert, a Chevy convertible with my friends. And I looked at the speedometer and it said 110 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, uh, anyway, um, one day I went home, I love my mom very much, I went home, and when I got there, there was a strange man in the house with a couple other people, and this guy was intimidating. Uh, hmm. I walked in, and I went, went to see my mom, and, and he says, uh, Raymond, yeah? He says, I want you to sit down in that chair. And, who's this guy? Yeah. You know, and I sat down in the chair, and man, I didn't realize it, but I lost my freedom. They come right out and said, you kids are out of control. And therefore, uh, your mom and grandma can't take care of you, so we got new homes for you. And Mm. just like that, they marched me out and my brothers and sisters out the door and took us two different cars, two different ways. And uh, I got put into a foster home up in Holman, Wisconsin, that was actually a work farm. And uh, uh, there was five little boys there, and those boys, I'll tell you what, were the kind of kids you wouldn't want your kids hanging around with. Those kids had been in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, my, my life turned into uh, freedom on the beach, partying and goofing around to getting up every morning, milking cows, going to school, smelling like a cow, <laughs> and coming <laughs> home milking cows. I didn't get to go out for sports. I didn't get to go hunting. I didn't get to go fishing. I didn't get to do nothing except uh, chores. Right. And uh, it, was, it was like being in a prison. There was no walls or bars or, or barbed wire, but I, I couldn't get out of this life. And so one day uh, I'm on a school bus and I hated it. I'm on a school bus going to school and uh, I thought I had enough of it. All the kids got off the school bus. I was probably the last kid off the bus. Everybody walked into the school but me. I walked over to the highway and I hitchhiked back to the La Crosse area. Oh, wow. I went back down. Yeah, I went back down with my friends and I'll tell you what, I was free again. It was partying and goofing around. Nobody's Nobody's got me milking cows and doing what they want. Uh, and what ended up happening was probably about a week went by, and the police picked me up. And for truancy, they gave me three days off of school. My three days were spent in jail. They're going to teach me a lesson. And I'll tell you what, Matt, I wasn't the kind of kid that took lessons very well. I, I I got put in jail for three days. Then they would take me back to the foster home, and everything would go back the same way it was. Get up, milking cows, go to school, smell like a cow. I want you to know, I learned how to work, and I loved working. But working for people that didn't really care about you, and yeah. all they wanted was—it uh, was a different life. And uh, so every chance I had, I ran away. <laughs> wow. I'd run away and, and go back down with my friends, and, and I'd get picked up and <laughs> thrown back in jail. And uh, it was like an evolving door. But I remember the last time that I ran away was the fifth time. And I, I, for whatever reason, I wanted to see my mom. Mm. And uh, she's the only person that cares about me. So uh, I ran away. I went to my mom's house to see her. And I was talking to my mom. I wasn't there five minutes. And the police had the back doors and the front doors. And uh, I couldn't get out. And uh, they walked me out to the car, put me in the car, and I'm heading to jail. I didn't even get to group around my buddies. I'm going back to the jail and to the foster home. And in the car, I broke down because I realized that it was probably my mom that called the police. Mm-hmm. And now the only person in the world that cared about me just called the police on me, and I'm going to jail. Wow. I have wow. nobody in my life. I have nobody. And that night, you know, I was sitting in jail. I, I am upset. I'm a kid. I'm upset. I don't have. This is uh, a bad life. Uh, I, I don't have a, a life that, like other kids do. I don't. I don't get to do things. I, uh, and for, I'm, I'm in jail just because I didn't have a dad. And uh, I remember uh, crying. I knelt down on a concrete floor and leaned up uh, against a metal bed, and I prayed to a. I God, I didn't know, and I said, God, would you please put somebody in my life that no matter what would happen would never leave me. Right. And right. it was just wishful thinking. And uh, anyway, I'm there for three days. The last day, you know, they got the worst taste in coffee and cornflakes in the world. <laughs> jail. I'll tell you that. I, I remember getting up that morning, having that coffee, and I sat down on this uh, steel bench where they had all the magazines, and here's a magazine I never saw before. And I'm looking at that magazine, I opened up and Matt, there's pictures of bears and moose and, and, and elk, and, and there are stories about Africa. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, man, do people really get to do this stuff? I mean, is this are these places real? And uh, I'm looking at this, and for a little while, I'm out of my depression, and all of a sudden, uh, I remember hearing the bars of that door slamming down. Bang! And the door opens up, and there's the parole officer. He's standing there, and he says to me, he says, uh... Come on, Ray, i got to take you back home. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There was no going back to a foster home. At that point in my life, I didn't care if I lived or died. I was wow. not suicidal. I just didn't care anymore. I was sick and tired of the life I was living, and I had made a plan up that when he got me in the car, we're going to drive down the road, and the first stop sign I see, I'm jumping out of that car, and I'm taking off running because I don't have anybody uh, around that cared about me In my, even my home, my mom or anybody, I'm taking her off, I'm going to go to the big cities, that's my plan, hmm. I was scared to death, but I'm going, cause I didn't care, and I remember, uh, <laughs> it was like walking the plank when I got, was behind him going out to the car, and, yeah. and I'm sure yeah. he, he knew something was wrong, but I got in the car, and we're driving down the road, and I'm looking for a stop sign, and as we're going, all of a sudden he looks at me, he says, Ray, I saw you read a hunting magazine in there, he said, uh, do you like to go hunting? I said, well, I've never gone hunting. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what. You promised me that you won't run away from your foster home again. He said, I'd like to take you hunting with me and my sons, and in the meantime, I'm going to find you a better home to live in. And you know something? I'm a kid scared to death, but this man just offered me a dream. And is he really going to do it? Because, Matt, when I was a kid, anybody ever told you they were going to take you hunting and fishing, and they never showed up. Right, right. But, uh, so I'm sitting there, and I said to him, I promise you, I'm not going to run away. I would like to go hunting. And no kidding, I went back to the foster room, <laughs> got up every morning, milk cows, went to school, smelling like cow, and uh, every day I, I did what I promised I was going to do, but I had this dream that he was really going to take me hunting. And mm-hmm. one day my foster mother walked up to me and said, Ray, uh, Tom wants to come on Friday with his boys and pick you up and take you to their cabin and go hunting. you want to go? I'll tell you something, Matt. You could heard me scream at the top of my lungs. Are you kidding me? This is really going to happen? Uh, and no kidding, he, he came and picked me up. We went to a cabin out in Black River Falls in the middle of nowhere. There was a big pond behind the cabin. Uh, pulled out the bows and arrows that were teaching how to shoot bows. And, and I mean, I, they had hunting clothes for me and the stories were just incredible. His uh, sons were like brothers to me, and we were having fun. <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, and uh, I remember, uh, okay, uh, it's time to hit the sack. We got to get up at four thirty in the morning. And you know <laughs> something, Matt? Never seen a deer in the wild. I'm, I'm, I. My heart is pounding. I, oh man, tomorrow <laughs> I get to go out and I'm to see a deer, and, and uh, I couldn't sleep that night. I Aww. had my hunting clothes on. I never went to sleep that night, and uh, <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> I remember the clock the alarm clock going off at four thirty in the morning and when the alarm clock went off about two seconds after, bang, the one bedroom door and the cab opens up and there's Tom and then the boys come out and, and everybody's a little groggy and all of a sudden Tom goes off the back door and the boys follow him out. Come on, ready this is tradition.
0: Wow, that's that's awesome. <laughs> Those guys that's were cool.
2: Yeah, they went off and jumped off the dock and jumped in the lake. It's it's dark outside it's oh my out. gosh
3: they're,
2: they're splashing around the water at 4.30 in the morning they're telling me come on Ray this is Chris you gotta jump in here you guys are nuts I ain't jumping in that water and uh,
0: yeah cause but, what this know, is wasn't... this is like November right
2: <laughs> well it was it was uh, uh September so it Okay, toward the end of September All and, right. uh, but still uh, it was just <laughs> and anyway uh it wasn't very long that I jumped in that water with him and I was a part of the family wow. and You know, what an unbelievable weekend. I saw my first deer. I had buck fever so bad I couldn't think straight. I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And uh, on the way home uh, from the hunt, uh, Tom told me, he said, I want you to know you're going to be 18 years old soon. (laughs) Well, When you're talking to a kid that's 14 uh, years old or so, and uh, you tell him you're going to be 18 years old, that's forever. And uh, he says, you're going to be 18 years old soon. And when you turn 18, he says, you can have your own family. You can have your own job or make your own money, and you can go hunting. You're an American, and you're free, and uh, nobody can hold you back. Uh, <laughs> wow. This is what you got to look forward to. Wow. And you know something? Uh, Tom took me hunting four times during my high school career. He helped me get into a better foster home. I actually got to go out for sports and do some other things in the home. So he helped me through it. Sure. But when I turned 18 years old, it was like somebody let the cat out of a bag. I'm going to tell you what, I turned 18 years old, no more foster homes, Man, I'm I'm going to school, I'm working two jobs, I'm in love. Uh, one month after I turned 18, I got married. And uh, hmm. I'm going to tell you what, I'm, li- I'm living a dream. Everything that Tom is telling me is coming true. The harder I worked, the more money I made. And uh, I got to do things that uh, I wanted to do, I started... Uh, doing it was the next thing you know <laughs> one year after I got married uh, my wife got uh, she was pregnant yep. and I remember her stomach getting bigger and bigger and I'm always got my ears going <laughs> listen you know i mean, this is really cool stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna have a baby I mean this is I couldn't believe it uh, wow. when wow. when the baby was born I named her Danielle and I was holding her in my arms I'm looking at her I've had tears in my eyes I'm just, I get to be a dad. This is unbelievable, I, I don't even know what I did, I get to be a dad, and I looked at her, and I said, Danny, I'm gonna give you everything I never had, mm. most of all you're gonna have a dad. Why? And uh, boy, I, I mean, this is unbelievable. Mm. So you know what happens, man, I start working harder, I start doing uh, more stuff, to, because now, I mean, this is really happening, and that year too, uh, it was uh, the first year, uh, I, w- I was bull hunting, and it was in the winter time, and I shot this great big doe with my bow, and I couldn't believe it. I killed a deer with a bow. Mm. And uh, I put that deer in the back of my car, and I drove around. I was the most proud person you <laughs> have ever met in your life. <laughs> and anyway, uh, so as things are going, um, I'm now 23 years old. And I got five kids; they're popping out left and right. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I, 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 I'm making really good money at the job, and uh, but I just couldn't make ends meet—the hospital bills and everything. And you know, my grandfather was such an incredible influence in my life. You know, he was a welder; he had started a, a shop at one time, and I really looked up to him. I remember just telling myself, "Well, my grandpa did that; I'm—I can do it too." And uh, I. And you know what I did, Matt, I quit a perfect good job and I went into business for myself. And uh, I went out and bought a welding uh, uh, machine and a cutting torch and a couple other things that I I had to borrow some money for. And I I started the business. And I will tell you right now, it was the fear of failure for my family that made me succeed because Mm -hmm. there was no way I was not gonna have food on the table for those kids. And there was no 40 hours a week. It was whatever you took. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, the business started to grow and things started happening. And the other thing that was, I, I didn't drink or, or get involved with uh, all that kind of stuff. I, I was so focused on uh, the kids and doing what I was doing. Uh, but there was a lot of stress. So when I got beat up when I was a kid, this really happened to me. <laughs> when I got beat up when I was a kid, you know, yep. there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't defend myself. So when I turned 18, one of the things I started doing was I started weightlifting. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. what happened was uh, when I started the business, I had to have a stress reliever besides. So I started uh, working out in the middle of the day and I'd uh, go back to work. And I uh, my friends invited me to get into a, a lifting tournament in Fox Valley. And I thought I'd do pretty good at it, you know. Sure. And Matt, I went to that tournament. I got my hind end beat so bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I got beat bad. And, and here I thought I was going to do pretty good. But I didn't realize how competitive I was. And what ended up happening was I uh, really worked at it. and I stayed in the drug-free competition in the raw uh, uh, category. Yeah. And after, after about 10 years of it, I would win first place once in a while. And what ended up happening was after about 15 to 20 years of it, I started uh, setting some records and winning first place uh, just about every tournament I went to. Wow. And uh, I remember going to Independence, Wisconsin, just to do a meet there. And when I went to that meet, I had set a world record in the in the bench press. And, oh. uh and what an accomplishment! I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it that I'd set that record. It was a dream come true. Well, about two months after I'd set that record, I got a a letter from the United States Powerlifting Association, and in that letter, they asked me if I would consider competing in the 242-pound class for the United States. (laughs) And uh, there was a tournament coming up in Idaho Falls in the fall. I couldn't believe it. I looked at that letter. I said, Karen, look at this. I said, let's just put this in a frame and put it on the wall. This this does not happen to people. And uh, anyway, what, what did, and this is This really happened. This is not bragging, this happened. I I just, uh, I'm a guy working hard and just trying to keep his head straight. And and, uh, anyway, uh, I was using uh, the lifting just to keep the stress off me. I trained for that tournament and I trained hard. And when I left, I went there with my wife, Karen, and I get there. It's a five-day tournament. There's people from all over the world. There's mm. all different colors and all different sizes, and everybody's looking at you, grumpy. <laughs> Everything's in kilos instead of pounds, and I mean there was teams there from from other countries, and they had their interpreters, and it was just it was a whole different atmosphere. So uh, during the tournament, I did the best I could do, and I knew I did okay. But the Russians were watching every move I made. It was almost wow. annoying. To me and uh there was one guy he was really good and uh i i knew he was in my weight class but i tried not to get distracted by what they were doing i wanted to do my personal best and anyway after the the fifth day they were handing out all the awards and there was a a factor in there how much you weighed compared to how much you lifted too and uh, and i wasn't sure everything was goofed up with a kilo stuff and uh Anyway, um, I was sitting there with my wife, and I remember just openly saying to her, Karen, if the Russian is called up for second, I know we got first. And, um, you know, it was just a a dream. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't know. And anyway, they called from fifth to second place, and they called him up. And that, I I immediately got emotional.
0: I couldn't. That's unreal.
2: Yeah. That is. They called my name for first place a kid from a broken home they called me up and, and i grabbed my wife by the hand and i took her right up on the stage with me <laughs> did you? good I,
3: good
2: <laughs> i did yeah she i'll tell you something uh, my wife is truly a gift from god and i did not accomplish the things i did or have done on my own and we're up there and they're playing the national anthem the mm. flag is there and i'm i'm bawling like a baby wow
0: that's unreal <laughs> and, that's anyway, unreal.
2: that happened, and, and, and as the business grew, and uh, uh, I got to start chasing my dreams with a bow, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I became a perfectionist in my shooting. I I shot high poundage bows, uh, and the reason I shot the equipment I shot is I wanted two holes in an animal—an entrance and an exit hole. I always used a two blade head with heavy arrows. I was actually shooting a 655 grain arrow oh, with a 104 gosh. pound bull. And uh, <laughs> you want, the accuracy was just uh, incredible. But you know something? Uh, that too, I shot all the time. I shot all the time. And it was nothing to shoot 100, 100 rounds. And uh, I got to the point where learning everything I learned about a bull, learning how to tune it, learning learn what really makes that arrow accurate man uh i started shooting long distance shots not to shoot animals at long distance when i shot long distance and, uh, and dropped the arrows in there, it it gave you confidence it made you a really good short range shooter i mean most of the animals that right, uh, i right. would harvest were between 40 and 50 yards so if you could hit something at a hundred yards uh you had your confidence it was a chip shot so to speak sure. if yep. you could hold your if you could hold your nerves mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Anyway, there was, uh, a lot of things started happening. I started chasing my dreams. I, I remember uh, being able to go on moose hunts and elk hunts. I harvested a, a brown bear, and a grizzly bear, and, and, and then I got to hunt a polar bear. And I mean, all these wow. things were just incredible. And uh, so, as I was doing things, I had different companies that would call me up, Ray, you're using our equipment. Uh, we, we'd like to uh, do some stuff with you. Well, to me, uh, I was chasing my dreams. That was what it was about. But mm-hmm. these company was saying, hey, uh, can we use some of your stuff? And actually, next thing you know, uh, they called me a part of a pro staff or an ambassador to their company, and uh, they're actually uh, giving me equipment and, and paying me to use their stuff, which was kind of neat because it helped with uh, with uh, some of the hunts and stuff. Right. But, uh, then uh, Gander Mountain gets a hold of me, and uh, they sit me down. The, the, it's unbelievable all that one on but the president of the company says we want you on our, our team and we want you uh, doing stuff with us and, and I said okay good uh, that'd be great <laughs> and anyway uh, what they started doing with me they would have me do these uh, ribbon cuttings and uh, mm-hmm. so I will tell you I don't care how accurate you are or how <laughs> how, how much of a uh, an ice cube you are when it comes to a stressful situation. <laughs> when you're standing there with three to 600 people around you and you've got a ribbon that's about an inch wide at 21 yards, a little high or a little low. Wow. And I'll tell you what, you find out what kind of man you are when you got to pull that 7 <laughs> And it is good. Wow. And, and I, I got stories for you. I, uh, so what they would do is they'd have me come there. The mayor would talk, and I'd step up and I'd cut the ribbon with an arrow instead of with the scissors. And it was, it was really a cool wow. thing. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> I I remember uh, so many times the wind blowing or this or that. And it would rain and to beat the band one time. But on all the uh, ribbon cuttings, I actually cut about seventy ribbons altogether. That was the growth of no that company kidding. at that time. Wow, that yeah, was pretty crazy. Wow. So. Uh, things were things are going really, uh, really well, and um, I, my wife, Karen, uh, and I know you've met her, Matt, but mm-hmm. anybody that meets her, she's just wonderful. How, how God gifted me with that, I just man. I, so I remember uh, coming home from uh, work one day, and and uh, I I don't remember what I said or what I did, and Karen looks right at me and she says, Ray, I came into your life to help save you." I, I, looked, I said save me what are you talking about I, I said you got a house you got a car you got food you got gas I, you don't need anything I provided everything. how are you going to save me <laughs> and I just about snapped And, and uh, but I knew something about her that I didn't understand at the time Karen loved the Lord more than she loved me and oh. I couldn't explain that I was number two in her life Right. and yeah. uh, going forward and all the celebrity status that I had I was on tv i was in videos all the time i was any magazine you picked up there was pictures of critters that I, I had harvested this was all happening and mm-hmm. and uh and in the world of power man I, I was at the top wow. and, and so uh and I, w- I made a lot of money yeah uh in the in the business i was in and she, she says that to me <laughs> so what ended up happening was i went to uh uh, Texas and there was a big event that they had out there and I was a part of that event and there was another friend of mine by the name of Pat Quinn, who was a very accomplished bull hunter and he's a wonderful man. The only thing about Pat he looks like a movie star and uh, I'll tell you we, we were always kidding around and, but we went to the event and Karen was with me and uh, all of a sudden Pat and Karen are talking and talking and talking and you know Matt I, I got a beautiful wife Yep. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm starting to turn a little green, and, and I'm starting to get a little swolled up. Why? It, 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 uh, yeah. is, is Pat falling in love with my wife? Right. And uh, it went, I'm not kidding, it went off for about 45 minutes, and there's hundreds of people around. Finally, I had it, I walked right up to Pat and Jerry, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, what's going on here? And they both turned and looked at me and said the exact same words at the same time. They said, we're talking about your salvation. And I said, what? Yeah, you know, I knew how to walk up to Pat and grab him by the collar and say, stay away from my wife. Yeah. I didn't know how to handle what was just said to me. Sure, yeah. I shook my head and I walked away from him. Oh. And uh, and to me, it was strange stuff. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, mm-hmm. that week, Pat Aquin did one of the boldest things a man could do. Pat called me out of the blue. And he talked to me on the phone. He said, Ray... I want to talk to you about having your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ i never heard anything like this at all man. I've never heard nothing like this how mm-hmm. can I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ I married a woman who loved the Lord but I just didn't get it right. and uh, anyway uh, that following week I went to church on Sunday with Karen because of family stuff but I just went there to be with her and I, she sings and she's just got a beautiful voice so I just like being with her I was sitting in church and guess what day it was? It was Father's Day.
3: Oh, wow.
2: And I'm sitting in church and I started thinking about my dad and I, I want to tell you something, Matt, I hated my dad. I did not even like the way I looked because mm. I looked like my dad. Wow. As a matter of fact, if I would have seen my dad on the streets when I was younger, it would not have been good. Wow. wow. And uh, somebody else got to have him for a dad and he had a whole different family and it was bad. And... Uh, I felt I blamed him for uh, all that stuff that went on. And uh, anyway, I'm sitting in church. I started thinking about the family I had and my children. And uh, I think, man, I wouldn't change anything. And you know something, Matt? That day I forgave my dad for everything oh. that he had to me and my brothers and sisters because it takes two. And, you know. I uncontrollably started crying in church, a grown man. I mean, I'm, wow. I'm sitting in church crying next to my wife, and she looks at me and she says, What's the matter? I said, Well, I, I just forgave my dad. Wow. And wow. I want to tell you something. If you have hatred in you for somebody else, uh, you don't know what kind of weight that is pulling you down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I walked out of that church, it was like I was a different person. Sure. And, and sure. Uh, so going forward, uh, I had another ribbon cutting to do this is amazing. This thing was just going, uh, uh, just about every weekend I had to go someplace Jeez. and, uh, I was working it I had to go here and I'm trying to hunt besides. And anyway, uh, another ribbon and I'll tell you something. Uh, I really did not want to miss, uh, the ribbon on the first shot. A lot of times when I went there, it was on TV. The news was there. The mayor <laughs> yeah. was there. and A lot of times Fox or NBC would be there. I didn't want to mess up. And, uh, so it was, it was pressure on me, so I uh, would get out and practice. Well, for whatever reason, uh, I decided that day, I thought, well, if I can hit a ribbon at 100 yards, 21 yards is a walk in the park. And I'd never tried this before, so I, I put five ribbons on the target, and uh, I went back to uh, where I shoot at 100 yards. I drew back, I took the top of my 100-yard pin, and I touched it on the bottom of the top ribbon, and I release that arrow, and that arrow cut right through that ribbon.
3: Oh, my god. Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: And, Jeez. You know, uh, I always used the top of my pin just like a, an old rifle sight so you could see what you were aiming at. If you, put it, if you cover it, you didn't know if you were left or right or because it's so far away. But well, using the very top of it and touching the bottom of what you wanted to hit made it very accurate as far as left and right mm-hmm. and up and down. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, I couldn't leave it. I cut that ribbon. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, I didn't have a camera guy with me, <laughs> which uh, is a whole other story in itself. <laughs> and uh, I always had the camera people with me. Uh, but yep. I ended up cutting five ribbons in a row, and it's humanly impossible to do something like that at that range. Sure, I cut five of them in a row. Wow. And that's what went through my head. It's impossible. How did I do this? I mean, you could get your head all swollen up about how good you are, but... You know, some anything I ever did in my life, it wasn't how good I was. It was always how persistent I was mm-hmm. in business or in powerlifting or or chasing animals. It wasn't how good I was. It was how persistent I was. It, if you miss ten times uh, on, on a stock, the eleventh stock might be the perfect one, and okay. it's kind of how it went. Yep. And the same thing with powerlifting. And so, um, and also in business too, it was a trial all the time. But anyway, uh, I walked up to that target. And there is five arrows in the center of the head target, uh, straight up and down. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, the ribbons are laying to the side. I looked at that, and I told myself, this is humanly impossible to do. I just cannot believe this. I'm having the best shooting day of my life. And I started pulling the arrows out. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, God had to be guiding these arrows. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way. Right. And uh, I got to the last arrow, Matt, and that's just what, what got in my head. Wow. Okay, God had to be guiding these arrows. Uh, Was he guiding my life ever since I was five years old? Mm -hmm. Did everything happen to me happen for a purpose? Then what Karen said to me came into my head, and then what Pat said to me came into my head. Mm -hmm. Is God real? I mean, is it real? And uh, anyway, uh, I pulled the arrows out, I put five more ribbons on the target so said, I'm going to shoot again, I'm going to call the camera guy because <laughs> I'm going to film this because <laughs> yep. nobody will ever believe it. Anyway, um, I started walking back to where I stood and I got about halfway back and it, it was just like somebody hit me in the back with a club. Hmm. I went to my knees, I knew the truth, I raised my bow up, whipped the arrows, and I said, from now on, Lord, this is no longer to my glory, it's to yours. I made my second promise in life. I promised him that if he would uh, forgive my sins, that I would I would follow him and just guide me in what he wanted me to do. Yep. And you know something, Matt? In the next few minutes, I had more wisdom come in my head than I've ever had. Uh, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, God put it on my heart right there. All the trophies that I have on my wall in my trophy room, and my trophy room is big, and there's hundreds of animals in there. The day I died, uh, there was those animals gonna be on somebody else's wall, and my name's not even there to be on them, so what, what did I accomplish there? Nothing but for Ray Hall. All the money I had, uh, and the money I had in the bank, I'll tell you something, when you got a lot of money, you wouldn't even know who your friends are. Sure. You, you think you got friends, they're, they're there for the money, and uh, they had, they were heading figured out where they had the money spent before I was even dead. And you know something? I, I can't take that money with me when I go. So what did I accomplish there? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and the records that I set in powerlifting, I wanted to be the strongest 242-pound man in the world. Nobody would break my records ever. I knew somebody with a little better technique and a little better day than I had and I hadn't worked on it as long as I had would break my records. And Matt, they have been broken. My name's not even at the top of the record books anymore. Mm-hmm. So what did I accomplish there? Nothing for Ray Hall. and uh, God put it on my heart right there. He said, said, you've only got so much time on this earth. I don't know if I got tomorrow or not, but I want to go forward and to let every kid know, no matter what their problems are, I have a purpose for them, and it's not the garbage on the streets, and Matt, it really came around there. Everything that happened to me in my life happened for a purpose, and I knew the truth, and I just made my second promise, and I, I... now what am I going to do? i got to tell my wife. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so I walked up to Karen, and I said, Karen, I gave my heart to the Lord today. I made a promise that uh, uh, from now on, I was going to let every kid know that no matter what their problems are, God's got a purpose for them. And it's not the garbage on the streets. And my wife looked at me, and she said, you do what you think is best, mm-hmm. and I'm sticking with you.
0: That's awesome.
2: And that, yeah no matter what the storms had been, no matter what the troubles had been, see, at that point, I had walked away from my business, I walked away from hunting the way I did, and I walked away from the powerlifting the way I did. And uh, my people, I lost 95% of my friends that day. I wow. mean, things really changed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of stories to it to keep in your promise, but mm-hmm. God knew what I needed in my life, and it was her. As a matter of fact, when I was... Uh, 13, 14 years old, kneeling down in jail, praying to a, a guy I didn't know at that time, and asked to put somebody in my life that would never leave me. I want to tell you something, Matt. If I would have known that he had a caring plan for me, I would have been the happiest kid in the world. <laughs> uh-huh. I, 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 I probably wouldn't have gone through the things I needed to learn and go through in order to be a kid like that. Yep. And what's happened with that, uh, the ministry was started, I don't feel that on the the founder, I feel I'm a founding servant. The, the ministry is God's ministry. I felt that I was called to it. And so for now 23 years, we've been putting on events all over the United States. And those events are totally free to the kids because a single parent mom or a grandma or a grandpa who can't afford $10, their kids can't go to the event. Uh, God put it on my heart right off the bat. Uh, we got to raise our own funds. We got to put the stuff together so those kids can be a part of it. And you know something, Matt? That's exactly what happens. We put on an event, and you know, gosh, it's just unbelievable. We get kids that have never shot a bow before, mm-hmm. never hold held a fishing pole, uh, and and with uh, bow fishing, we always put uh, uh, a target in the pond so they can see what bow fishing is. I mean, it's, it, all the hooting and the hollering and the yelling at kicking very events is it's just pulling these kids away from what the devil's got for them out in the concrete and the steel mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and take them into an environment where they got dreams put in their heart. Right, right. And uh, so that's what Kicking Bear is really about. And uh, You know, we, we had a... Uh, I talked to you about it the one time because it's really heartfelt to me that we had all the bow fishing boats show up and the guys are going to take the kids from Kicking Bear bow fishing and, and uh, I got to be in the boat with some of the older kids, you know, mm-hmm. and these kids... Some of them don't even know each other, and yet they got so much respect for each other. One kid gets more shots, than the other and they're switching spots just for so other kids to get shots. And, and we're buzzing down the road, uh, down the river in the middle of the night, and it just hit me so hard. Okay, if these kids weren't on the boat tonight, where would they be? Mm-hmm. What would they be doing? And I just, I, I just felt so. Uh, blessed to be a part of a ministry that takes kids and shows them a better way of life and teaming up with uh, good people like yourself. man. I'm going to tell you, we've had fun uh, and uh, doing what we're doing. But that's kind of, that's that's how Kicking Bear got started. I I just, you know, two years ago uh, before the COVID, we did 122 uh, events throughout the United States, and the average event was 600 people. Wow. And nobody, wow. nobody paid a dime to be part. Yep. And when Unreal. we find out why kids don't have dads in their lives, and we take them on group fishing trips and group hunting trips, take can on group trips of bull fishing and, and turkey hunting, and, uh, man, you cannot believe how the lives are, are changed uh, through being around good people. Most of the time these kids are around people that there's drinking and carrying on. You know, when we're together with them, I, it's, it's almost like it's strange to them. I mean, right. these, kids will op- these kids will open up and tell you what's going on in their life, and it's horrible. Right, right. But we, we got the opportunity because God has given us dreams, and, and we got to chase our dreams to turn around and share those dreams with uh, kids that don't have the opportunity to and are going down the wrong path. Absolutely. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And you an don't
2: trust fight.
0: Like, Kicking Bears started in what 2000 I believe is when you you got the program going and and what it does is it gives kids an opportunity to enjoy the outdoors um, archery um, tug-of-war as you have you have piggyback races you have tough man races Um, and it is something that has when I look at the pictures on your Facebook page on the websites you see kids with smiles on their faces, enjoying life, enjoying the outdoors, and enjoying each other. Um, it's just simply amazing of what you have done for these kids and given him, given them, you know, opportunities. Because like for yourself, your story began, you know, as one man giving you a chance, one person giving you a chance. Hey Ray, I see you're reading a, a hunting book. There, you want to go hunting? And that's how that started. So it's just unbelievable of what I've been to a couple of your camps. I know we do the kicking bear um, youth bow fishing events uh, for the last two years now. We're looking forward to doing another one this year. But Ray, I'm telling you, what you are doing um, for these kids and to hear some of these stories on your website is 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 unbelievable. Um,
2: I gotta tell you, Matt. I, I really, I really can't take credit for that. Uh, we gotta. We got an awesome God. Yes. And from, from the day I was five years old, he had a plan for me. And at one point, I forgave my dad, yeah. and I understood yeah. things. But, you know, I also learned too that I, I, wanted, I wanted to make a million dollars, and I thought if I made a million dollars, I got it made. Well, when I made my first million, I wanted to make two. Hmm. Then I wanted to make three. And I found there was no cap to that. All of a sudden, it's got a grip on you. And the same thing with uh, uh, the power I wanted to set a world record. When I, wanted, when, I, when I did that, I wanted to set another one. And then when I won the Worlds, I wanted to go win it again. And, and all of a sudden, there's no cap to that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the same thing with hunting. Uh, my dream was to take an elk with a bowl And when I took that elk, then I wanted to take a brown bear. And then when I took that brown bear, I wanted to take a moose. And then when I took the moose, I wanted to take a polar bear. Also, there's no cap to that. And you know something? Uh, as I was going through, this is I was a self-made king. Wow. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Anything I wanted to do by persistence, I did it. Hmm. And uh, there was no cap to it. There was no end to it. But, you know, God grabbed me at just the right time he yep. said, I have a purpose for you. And you know something I can honestly tell you? It's not being wealthy. It's not being famous. It's not uh, accomplishing uh, the things that I thought were what I wanted to do. I have the joy of a five year old kid in my heart again because I have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with money or fame or, or uh, I, I love to bow hunt yet. I love to. Uh,
0: uh, you love to go bow fishing.
2: Yeah, I mean, but that really, to me, to be able to share that and to let kids know that God uh, gave us these tools and these things to do that we can do them, and he's got a purpose for us, and uh, Mm -hmm. man, what's really been cool, too, is in the time that we've been doing Kicking Bear, uh, watching these kids grow up, some of the camps right now are uh, 18, 20 years we've been doing annual camps in the same area. Yeah. And uh, these kids have grown up, they're married, and they've come back, and they've become mentors to other kids and being a part of the camps and helping out. I've seen it full circle. Mm -hmm. And people say to me, well, Ray, we we don't hear too much about Kicking Bear. I want to tell you something. We are so busy doing what we do that I really don't have time around telling everybody what we do. Everything we do is about word of mouth, but in the communities that we are in, it's been pretty amazing what God has done. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Cal Ferguson wrote a letter to me uh, uh, two years ago. They had their tent uh, camp, and that letter said to me, it said, Ray, we set out to change some kids in our community through kicking bear, but in 10 years' time, this has changed our community. And I'm going to tell you something, Matt. I didn't see that, but, you know, we have to... Uh, DNR there, we got the police officers there, there's all kinds of people there that come there to help with the kids and it breaks the walls down. Wow. So mm. I ain't that good. I, all I can tell you is God's had a grip on me and he's guided me and uh, uh, I, I kept to my promise. And I don't plan on retiring. He's going to take me home <laughs> in the middle of a martial fight or something, but uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's fun stuff. That's awesome.
3: So,
0: and, and like I said, we wanted to have you here, right? so we could tell your story so people can understand, you know, what, what a kid goes through growing up if he's put in certain circumstances, uh, without a father, um, what can go wrong, how you can be turned and, and, and who's out there for you because, um, like I said, one person kind of changed your, your route, you know, as far as where you were heading and look what you've accomplished and look what you are doing it right now. And, and um, you know, people out there, you know, if you want to help in these situations and, and give a helping hand, um, you know, go to the Kicking Bear website, uh, Facebook page, and help a kid. I mean, uh, become a mentor, um, go to these events and help out. You, you'd be surprised at the, what you can do for a kid and how you can change their life, um, by being with them in the outdoors and changing their, their lifestyle. So, so Ray, um, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming on our podcast today and joining us and telling us your story and, uh, what you've accomplished and, and what you are doing these days for kids. And, um, you know, we'll, we're, we'll, be there, you know, that AMS boat fishing will be there to help you out if anything's needed. But um, thank you, you know Ray, for joining us today on the Bowfishing Buzz podcast.
2: Well, uh, thank you, Matt, and I'll tell you ever since we've gotten together and, and done what we love to do, and that's uh, chasing fish, uh, uh, I've had fun. And yes, The whole cool right. thing is when we've got to take kids out, and if anybody thinks that it's a job or a chore to help the kids, I'm going to tell you something: when you get out there goofing around like what we do mm-hmm. and doing it with a kid. I'll tell you what, you're going to have more fun than that kid is. You're laughing your head off. That's right. uh, Yep. It's not, uh, I don't know how to explain that, uh, but uh, we have fun with it. That's right. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Well,
2: uh, thank you for the uh, blessing of uh, doing what you do and having absolutely to be on the show with you here.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ray. And um, I look forward to getting underwater with you and pinching some fish. (laughs)
2: That sounds good. All right. You have a blessed
0: day. You too, Ray. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Yep. Bye, Matt. Bye-bye.
1: You know, Matt, I've heard bits and pieces of how Ray got Kicking Bear going. I've never heard it in that much detail. Um, And I think just with hearing that, it makes it so much easier to understand why he dropped all of those accomplishments that he's doing to go and do this for Mm -hmm. these kids. Right. It really is inspirational. it's really it's a special man that God put on this earth, right And
0: to to be able to, like I said, you don't hear stories like this out there no you hear the oh breaking records and you know you hear all those records of the guys that are you know winning this and winning that. You don't hear these type of stories out there where somebody is making a difference, in somebody's life. Yeah. We need more of these stories out yeah. there. We need more people to help out at stuff like this here. And, um, because it changes somebody's life. Like in Ray's story, the one guy saw him reading a hunting magazine. Yeah. That's all it took. That's all it took right. to spark that. And look where he is now. Yep. It's, uh, simply amazing. So, um, you know, we need people out there to help at events like this here. Like I said, you can go to the, to the kicking bear website you can put an application in to become a mentor, you can help out at these events. There is events going all across the, you know, the the states. Um bow fishing is part of it also. I we go there and we we take kids out bow fishing. Mm-hmm. Um they have a blast. You you know, um so this is a story that I just kind of wanted to get out there and let people know that there's more to trophies. There's more to Winning this and winning that, yep. there's more to life than that because uh, if you go watch some of the um, the stories about um, some of these kids on the Kicking Bear website, uh, you'll realize that you can make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah, and
1: I know, Matt, here a couple of years ago, you and I went down on the Mississippi River and we met Ray and we took some kids out. Um, and just like how he was saying too, how you can totally see – that kids' uh, whole mindset change when you're in the outdoors. I remember seeing that on the boat with a couple of the kids that were that we had out. Absolutely, it was, it was really cool. They'd never done it before; totally new to them. Um, that's that's just one of the things I think that Ray was trying to explain. That's mm-hmm. that's really cool. That's yep. really cool. Yep,
0: yep. So,
1: um, what do you think, Schmidty? I think that that was a it was a heavy hit, and it was the heaviest podcast we've had, but. Very informational, inspirational, and I'm really glad that we
0: had Ray on to tell his story. Absolutely. Just to go to show that anybody out there can make a difference in a young man, a woman's life. Yeah, absolutely. That is looking for help. You know, they're looking for help, they're looking for that. Yep. So, with that, I think we'll wrap up this episode of the Bowfishing Buzz Podcast, presented by AMS Bowfishing and. The Megamouth Bowfishing from all of us at AMS Bowfishing. We wish you the best. And remember, aim low, think big. Thanks for listening, guys.